everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul, and I'm your host, as always. And today, uh, <laughs> for anybody that knows me, you're going to know that this is the most exciting episode of my podcast uh, because <laughs> one of my uh, one of my musical heroes is on here today. His name is Nathan Gray. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so uh, Nathan wants did a show and signed my arm as well as a bunch of mm -hmm. other stuff for me, uh, because I am an unashamed fanboy. So, so <laughs> <laughs> and nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, so having said all that and gotten all of that stuff out of the way, um, we have met a few times at, at shows. Like I said, you're always, mm -hmm. you're always kind and gracious enough to talk to the people that want to talk to you. And I want to start there because you are, always so approachable at at your shows um mm -hmm. so is that something that you've always done did you did you have to work into that you know what's uh, the evolution? it's it, it it was something that i sort of worked into but it was something that was very natural and easy to work into it was one of those things where you have to sort of figure out how exactly to you know <sighs> be more approachable and be able to connect with people without, you know, I, I don't know, maybe going too far with it, I right. guess, you know what I mean? Where you're, where you start punishing people like, Hey, you want to talk to me? Hey, you want to talk? You know, like, then no one wants to talk to you. Like, but, um, you know, I think the big thing is just to be available. And I have, after I play a show, I figure I have about a good hour of availability before I crash out okay. because obviously shows, when I play shows, they're very emotional. They're very, you know, it's, it's right after show I'm running high on adrenaline. Right. So I've got about an hour before right. that crashes, you know, I'm like, okay, this is the moment. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll go stand by the merch table or I'll even work the merch table or just in some way get down and let people have an opportunity to talk to me if they'd like to, right. you know? Um, so I, I think it's just part of what I do. Cause I, number one, uh, until I started playing music, nobody gave a shit who I was. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So the fact that anyone would now is a blessing and an honor. So, um, and, and funny enough, this whole ideology goes full circle because it also, uh, plays into the fact that many, many, many years ago, I also stopped like partying and drinking on the road right, okay. because it is impossible to put a hundred percent into a show and really be available for people when you're drunk or hungover or your voice is gone because you went out after a show screaming at a club, like, <laughs> like an idiot, you know? So it, it all is part and partial, you know, it all, beca it becomes a lifestyle right. in how you, you work what you do because the music I do isn't just playing rock and roll music. It is uh, for lack of a better word, a ministry, you know what I mean? Right, right. I, I actually had somebody come up and was like, I was like going through like a secular revival. That was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's great. That's so. a that's a good way to describe it. Um, so yeah. very briefly, just touching on your past, I think this will all come together. So 
Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. for anybody that knows you, you were and still are in Boy Sets Fire. Boy Sets Fire, mm-hmm. <clears throat> especially when I lived in Germany, was a very, very popular band. Um, yes. <laughs> and and of course, is still is still popular in, in Germany, far, far more popular mm-hmm. in the United States. So how do you deal with with this idea of stardom again i don't i don't mm-hmm. think you view yourself as a star in any way but there is this right big change in popularity or, or how people view you in europe versus in the united states so how do you sure how do you deal with that like going back and forth with grace and understanding <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, i think that you know uh, over here in the u.s i'm sort of starting over now with right my new solo stuff and all that, you know, it's not, there's not really that much name recognition because of voice that's fire. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, over in Europe, it's a little easier to start over per se, you know, right. because people already know my name. Uh, they connect voice that's fire with me as the front man. So that, right. you know, it works out pretty well, right. but I think it's sort of great to have that opportunity to play to 3000 people and then play to, three people you know what i mean like i think it keeps you honest and it keeps you on top of things because you need to play with the same intensity and honesty to those three people as you did to those three thousand and and um it's an important life's lesson one that i hope i like obviously i hope that i start to succeed more in the u.s as well and that all my shows are huge and packed and sold out and like you know and i hope that when I get to that, I want to say when, not if I get to that <laughs> place that I will remember that important lesson right. of how important every single person that comes to that show is, because not only are they spending their hard earned money, but <clears throat> more than anything. And I think a lot of people have heard me give this speech from stage, but money isn't the most important thing that someone brings to a show. It's their time. Right. And we have a very limited amount of time on the face of this planet. And the fact that anyone would grace you or I with their time is mind blowing. You know, like that they would take that time and that it was important to them to spend their time with me. Oh, I better not fuck that up. You know what I mean? Even if it's one person standing there watching, that it better be the best show I've ever played to one person in my life. Yeah. And so you just did the tour with Frank Turner, and and I think that mm-hmm. that was great exposure for you. Uh-huh. And there were certainly people like me in the audience who knew you from Boy Sets Fire, who followed you through your mm-hmm. your the beginning of your your solo stuff. But you were mm-hmm. definitely also turning people in the audience, right? So yes, we saw Dave Hawes the following night in Pittsburgh. He played mm-hmm. at Black Forge, and there were several people nice. that were at both shows that we talked to who all said, "Yeah, Nathan Gray never heard." them before but he was amazing you know so that's awesome that that's the idea though right is that you're trying to turn those people Mm -hmm. that it was brilliant being out on this on this tour with frank turner because there were so many people there that would come up be like i'm so sorry but i have no idea who you are (laughs) like people were saying like you're this big deal or something it's like it's like no you have no idea how good that is for me right like i love it that you've never heard of me this is your first experience with me and that's amazing because this is my 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 path forward so that this is your first experience and this is what you fell in love with awesome yeah you know yeah that's um, great so and that was that tour it was i would say you and a few others were the minority on this tour 
of people right. that had ever even heard of who I, Boy Sets Fire or anything I'd done before. So what a great feeling that is to, to, um, to, to turn people over yeah. to it, you yeah. know, and you could see it. Like I'd get up on, we'd get up on stage and I mean, you saw the show, it's not your average acoustic show, right. For you sure know, not. For um, sure not. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's bringing that live punk energy to that acoustic set. And, um, and you could see it on people's faces where at first it was like, what is going on? And then like, all right, let's roll with it. This is fun. Like, you know, it was great. Great. So speaking of your, your solo career, I I feel like you've got sort of three distinct phases. We have the, Mm -hmm. the Nathan gray where you didn't have any vowels in your name and until the darkness takes us that sort of phase. Then you have the feral hymns phase where it was really just you and acoustic guitar or maybe like mm-hmm. the cello that you did in Germany, and now the current phase yep. with with the Iron Roses. So, is mm-hmm. that a conscious thing, or were you really just yes. experimenting or figuring out what was going to work for you? No, it, it was very conscious, a conscious effort. But I, I would say that the first Nathan Gray, like the Nathan Gray Collective style stuff, that yeah. was a little bit more dark and industrial. That was more of like experiment. That was more like, I want to try this out, see how that fits me, you know? And, and it just didn't fit as well as I would have liked it right, to, but it right. was it was fun to do, you know? Um, and then going into Feral Hymns was really the beginning of, of honestly doing something purposefully. Okay. It was, okay, within the next few albums, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to get in touch with why I'm doing this. So I need to start simple. It has to be just me and a guitar, it has to be very purposeful and it has to get to some very dark and deep personal issues in order for me to get through that, to get to working title, to get to rebel songs. You know what I mean? Right. I didn't know what the titles of the albums right. were going to be, right, but I course. knew the feeling, you know, right. I was like within three albums, I have to be at a totally different mile marker, you know, okay. from where I start. And, um, and the, the impetus was to find healing for myself with issues that I dealt with that I talked about in feral hymns with um, sexual abuse that I had, I had suffered in the church when I was a kid um, that I had never really gotten in touch with. I'd never gotten healing for. So that was the beginning right there. It's like, well, I'm never going to be happy and I'm never going to create music. I want to create if I don't get through this first. And that has to be done alone. I can't get help. You know, Um, I have to go through that on my own. So, I, I did that. And then through that, I was then able to progress when I, when I went to working title, it was like, okay, I'm going to add a band, but I'm not going to name them yet. You know what I mean? It's just going to be a, a backing band. It's going to be faster. It's going to be more positive. Um, but still with that little bit of sorrow and because you know how life is, you right, know, that, right. that roller coaster of life, but still very personal. Then rebel songs was when I went, okay, the personal is political is personal. And I need to start getting back to my roots with that political and social message, but in a fully different manner. Okay. Not in just an angry manner, not in just a, oh, I'm mad at stuff and I'm just lashing out. It has to be very concise. It has to be to the point and it has to be joyful because holy shit, do we all need some joyful right now? Right. You know, right. we've all been through it right now. And nobody wants somebody just angry screaming at them right now. But but or, I w- if I can interrupt, but know. I would say with a lot of that Boy Sets Fire stuff, you can feel the personal energy. Of course, there's some overt political messages there. 
but mm-hmm. the anger is part of the joy for someone like me, mm-hmm. right? So that, yeah, you know, hearing you and the band just go for it on all of those songs is, mm-hmm. is I mean, it's not the same kind of joy that you're talking about, but it is a kind mm-hmm. of, of joy. Well, it's, it's stages, like right. I said, you know what I mean? I can't literally go back to that phase, right. you know? It was purposeful. And I don't want to take anything from that. And I didn't mean to. And what I was saying um, is that it it was very purposeful and it was necessary. Um, At this point, though, there is it's a different thing altogether. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's a different way that I express myself as a human being that screaming it out. It doesn't do much for me. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, I don't feel angry. I feel uh, focused. I feel like determined, but I don't feel angry per se. It's, you know, um, and just to that point, like I said, I think that coming out of this, not that we're out of this pandemic yet, but we're finding our ways. And, and I do believe that at some point we will just be living with this and we will figure it out. That's just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, but, um, I need to find a different way to express myself. And I found that in rebel songs Um, after getting through all of this very deep introspection. um, So I would say, yes, there was a lot of purpose to it. There was a lot of planning at the same time. A lot of that can't be purposeful or planned. It just sort of happens because it happens and you mature and you, you know, find different paths. So it's a little bit, you know, 50, 50. And, Comparing the beginning of your musical career to where you are now is the idea of success. However you want to define success. Is it different? Mm -hmm. Is it fundamentally different from early on to, to what you think success might be for you now? Yes, because I think that with Boyce It's Fire, there was definitely a time where we got caught in the rat race a little Mm -hmm. bit. And there was that time like in the nineties and shit where you were trying to just fight to get on top. You know, and you were trying to be something that maybe we even weren't at the time. And that's why we went from Tomorrow Come Today to Notes Through the Play Gears. You know what I mean? Because we went, okay, fuck all that. We're going (laughs) to throw all that away and get back to what we were doing. And funny enough, when you listen to Rebel Songs, that was one of my inspirations, was looking back at Notes from the Play Gears and saying, what was that spirit at that time? What, what were we feeling at that time? And there was a lot of this, like, okay, we don't have to do anything. We don't want to, we don't have to play, you know, if we write a song and it sounds good, that's the song we play. It doesn't have to be hardcore. It doesn't have to be rock. It doesn't have to be this, that, or the other thing. It just has to be what we are feeling and putting out there. And, and to this day, that's my favorite album voice as fire has ever written because of that, because we went into it just going, Big middle fingers, you know what I mean? (laughs) Here we go, you know? And, um, and that's what rebel songs is now. It's, um, you know, maybe not as aggressive, but it's that same feel of, I have, I have put a lot, put a lot of reggae and hip hop influence into the punk rock stuff that I normally do. And I went, you know, I was, I was worried when I first started writing this stuff and putting those influences in there, I was like, is this okay? Am I allowed to do this? I'm like, allowed by who? Like, why am I, why am I even thinking that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, of course I'm fucking allowed. Right. 
Someone, Sorry, I lost you there. Someone someone says you were not allowed. That's that's the last thing right, you said. Right. <laughs> Somebody went, nope, and pressed the button. <laughs> that's amazing. What perfect timing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so that is, you know, that is the spirit that I roll with from here out is that I'm going to do fun, purposeful, joyful punk rock music that speaks to me, that has an influence that that means something to me. And and getting out that those personal feelings, those political, those social issues, right. those those things that that make me a complete person. And I've found that doing that is connecting once again with people and it's making them feel seen. It's making them feel heard. It's making them connect to the energy I'm putting forth. Right. Right. Cool. There are two questions I want to ask, but then I want to move to the nuts and bolts of the business of, of how you're trying Mm -hmm. to run the business. And one of those questions is when I had Josh Latshaw, uh, your bandmate Mm -hmm. on the podcast, I asked him about the Motley Crue cover that you guys did way back when. And he said, (laughs) I, I didn't even play on that. I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it, which I think is hysterical. Do you remember anything going on with the Motley Crue cover and why? Oh yeah. I, I remember Josh not wanting to do it. <laughs> I think it was Josh and Matt, who was our drummer at the time. were like, Oh my God, this is so dumb. I think it was just me and Chad. that right. were like, this is hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah. right. uh, and so we sort of forced our, their hand on it. Um, but it, I remember us doing it. I was like, would it be funny if we like slowed down the music I'd sing over and then we speed it up. So it sounds like Alvin and the chipmunks. And it was like, it was just one of those dumb things you do when you're too young to realize it's a stupid idea. (laughs) Oh, great. Great. uh, uh, So it was, yeah, it was, it was fun, but there is the funny part on it. You hear in the second verse where it's like, ah, ah, guys, I don't think we should do this. Like, because the lyrics to that song are harsh. They are rough. Like, it's like, "Mm, this is not a good idea, guys. Like, and we left that on there because we were like, I was like, I am not singing those lyrics. I am not basically singing about sexually assaulting someone. This is awful. Like, Uh, Crazy. Uh, and then mm-hmm. w- before, again, before we go into the nuts and bolts of the business here, um, you were, you were talking about expression and you were talking about being, being true to yourself and what it all means to you now. Mm-hmm. And part of that is your, your online presence, right? Your Instagram mm-hmm. or, or yes. your Facebook page. And I mm-hmm. know that you get for whatever reason, a fair amount of vitriol or a fair amount of pushback from, from people mm-hmm. who don't want to hear what you have to say for, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And how how do you, how do you deal with that? How does that not affect you like um, personally or or mentally? It used to, um, I, I found that realizing how sad that is that someone is unaware that they don't have to come to your page. You know what I mean? Like how (laughs) sad is that? That somebody's like, Oh, I need to go tell him what's what, why, what, what good will that do you? Like it's, it's not going to do any good. It's going to get you like a little rage boner for a minute, I guess. But like <laughs> past that, is that all you're living off of? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, and, and once I started realizing, plus uh, I, I have been told several times and it's something that I have been working on for years. Uh, good friends of mine have always said you could get a hundred stellar reviews. It's that one bad review you're going to focus on. Right. 
And that's so true. I have always been like that mentally. And I think that's, you know, in working on my own self-worth and things of that nature, I've gotten a lot better at that to be able to laugh that off and be like, yeah, but look at all this great stuff, you know? And it's the same with this. And I think that a lot of the trolls and the people arguing with me have sort of given up at this point, because what's the point? You know, they're not going to get the attention they want. Mostly if someone comes on there and says something stupid, I'll just, erase it and waste their time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's the best thing you can do. Someone says something stupid, delete. Right. Right. There you go. You just wasted all your time <laughs> raging out for nothing. There you go. You awesome. know? And so, um, so yeah, it's gotten a lot easier now. And, and a lot of people, I think that were coming to the page just to argue about politics or whatever, the stupid crap they wanted to argue about. Um, they have, fortunately just sort of given up on it because they get no reaction anymore. It's not, it's not a fight. It is eternally shocking to me how someone could be a fan of you or rage against the machine or whatever, and fundamentally miss the messaging, right? Just absolutely miss the message. I have, it's, I've seen it from my stuff from rage against the machine from rise against like, and even anti-flag like, and shit like that. It's like, are you aware they're called anti-flag? Like, it's like, I just, it, it's so mind blowing to yeah. me. It, it, it gets me to where it's like, okay, are these people stupid? Or are they trying to be funny? Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, right. like, oh, if I would have known you were about this, I would have never listened to you. How did you not know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it is, it is mind blowing. That's the entertainment yeah. value for me is just trying to figure yeah. out, you know, what, what's happening. What makes you yeah, think yeah. That what you wow. think? I used to be your biggest fan. No, you weren't. <laughs> right. No, you fucking weren't. <laughs> like, not with those ideas, you weren't. Like, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right, cool. So I want to move on to how you're dealing with, with the business part of it, right? So there's the expression part, which mm-hmm. is what we've talked about. But <clears throat> if you want to be successful, again, however the artist is measuring that, you, you got to do the work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So are you managing yourself? Are you doing your own tour management? Are you booking Mm -hmm. your own shows? Are you trying to keep everything in house or are you outsourcing hiring? What are you doing? Right. I have just started to really work on where I go forward here. Um, uh, I I feel like the past albums I've really relied on just getting stuff out in Europe, touring in Europe, you know, keeping that base, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And even my base here in the U S but just holding on to those who already know who I am. But with the beginning of this Frank Turner tour and everything and realizing that there was still a need there and that people would want to see me, I was like, maybe I should put a little bit more work and thought into okay. this. You know, right. uh, I have a booking agent now, uh, Jake DeVries. He works with heavy talent. Um, awesome guy. Um, my friend, uh, Becky Fontaine, she helps me a lot, uh, with just sort of life management with all this, you know, cause, cause it is, it is literally impossible to do this on, on your own. And you it have, just a, you is. have like, a family so and much. you have kids and you have yeah, a life. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I have a, a wife and kids. And so there's so much to like figure out to do. Um, so, uh, she helps out a lot. And then, um, Right now, what I'm looking to do is um, I am working. I'm not going to tell anybody who it is yet, but I'm I'm looking to license out 
Rebel songs to a U.S. label as well. Cool. And End Hits is actually helping me with this, which oh, a huge thank you to them. They have been wonderful. Oise has been great in helping me uh, find a way because they they don't have a lot of interest in doing anything in the U.S. because it's not really for them. You know right. what I mean? Like right. it's just it doesn't help them out any. And I get that. But they have been awesome in helping push me and support me in finding ways to license it out here, start, you know, my own path here in the U S and we'll see where that takes me. But that is where I'm focusing now because I already have that fan base in Europe. That's not moving. You know what I mean? They're wonderful. And they've been there for me for so long. And I think they understand that I need to invest some time here to really get things moving so I can keep going back and forth again and get, you know, there was a point I would say in 2000 uh, around when after the eulogy came out where Boyce fire was just as big in the U S as we were in Europe, you know, and I would really like to get back to that place with, with what I'm doing. I would like things to be very level all over the world with what I'm doing. I don't want to just be like a German band or a U.S. band or a, you know what I mean? Right. I, I want to get my music to everyone and that's going to take a lot of work. And I've really just started that work. Now I'm hiring a PR company. I'm doing all this stuff to like really put in the effort because I think that this new album is worth it. I think that this new album, Rebel Songs, I could honestly say this is my first album. You know, this is the start. This is the beginning of my journey forward. And um, and I'm going to put 110% into that right. to get it going. So w- when you think about a lot of the disappointment over the last year, so you're, mm-hmm. the vinyl's delayed, right? Vinyl's delayed for everybody and you're, yours yeah. included. And you have a tour yeah. planned in Germany for December and then COVID goes insane mm-hmm. in, in Germany again. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so now your record release, which I am thankful to be going to uh, next week. Yes. Uh, one of the very That's few awesome. people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you have to scramble, right? A lot of it is this constant yeah. scramble. You you have your best laid plans that turn to shit and then you have to figure out what to do next. So yeah. again, you know, mentally that's got to be tough as you try you i've got this good thing and i want to set it up and now i'll get knocked back a little bit yeah it's it's really rough because i know the tuesday that i was going to leave for europe uh was a hard day it was a rough day the knowing that i was supposed to be getting on a plane and flying over to start a tour and i wasn't you know just sitting at home trying to get some things done, but really just distracted and upset. And, you know, I mean, just trying to get, make it through that first day was, was difficult, but past that, you know, there's so much coming up and there's so much to look forward to. I started focusing there and going, okay, put, put all that energy, put all that disappointment and feeling upset into some positive stuff. And there's so much coming up. I've got this, this online show that, mm-hmm. as you know, will have a, a, a small crowd there as right. well um, on the 17th. And then I'm I'm opening up shows for Piebald in New York on the 20th and in Boston on the 21st. The Boston show is already sold right. out. And then I've got this tour uh, for Rebel Songs coming out February. On, in March in the U.S. Oh, March, right. okay. And yeah, and, and December 17th, 
the album comes out on that same day that I'm playing that shit. Oh, there's so much going on. So, it's like, <laughs> so, so it's, it's, that's made it easier. You know what I mean? When you put that time in to go, okay, I'm going to fill up this time with positive energy and moving forward on this. And it's really paid off recently. Right. Cool. Then, then one last thing here, again, going along with this idea that you have, you have a career that you're trying to, um, build up and you've mm-hmm. had this career in your past where you've had experienced some, some real success and you also have a family and we're all getting older and all mm-hmm. of that sort of stuff. How are you making sure that, that you're staying, uh, centered, staying on what you feel is the right path? What, what's healthy for mm-hmm. you in the midst of, of all of this? Because I think that especially for someone like you who mm-hmm. puts so much into their music, I think that that's an important thing you know, being a fan, mm-hmm. I want you to continue to release music for a long period of time. Yeah. So um, I think number one, it's surrounding yourself with good people. I realized recently, uh, you know, I was talking about Becky. I was talking about uh, I, I didn't talk about my friend Chris and his brother, James, uh, who do videos for me for free. You know what I mean? That right. help out and as well as Gene and Derek, who played on this album, who also have helped me out with videos uh, at real low cost. You know what I mean? I, I realized recently, holy shit, I've built like the iron roses. Aren't just the people you're going to hear on this album or see on the stage. I have this collective of human beings that surround me that help me with things that like other people in bands don't have, right? Like other people in bands don't have someone they can just call up and like, Hey, can we shoot this video for free for nothing? Just, you know, use up all your time and like, you know what I mean? Energy on something I need, you know, um, it's, or like just little things like that, like that. I just realized, holy shit. Like other people don't have that. How lucky is that? That I have these people that, you know, they're not asking for money. They just want to be part of it. And they're, and they're highly talented people. It's not just like people who want to be part of something. It's like these highly talented humans that, also want to be part of what I'm doing. And it blows me away sometimes when I think about it, like on how fortunate I am to have that because I can't do all this on my own. It would cost me thousands and thousands of dollars to do this on my own. But it just, it's a blessing. It's amazing. It's great. Um, And we're we're all, everyone that listens to you, we're all thankful for it. Everyone who hasn't Mm -hmm. yet had the chance uh, to hear you, you know, I think Mm -hmm. that they're, they're Mm -hmm. in for, for something special. And, and not only that, but also a big part of, of it is having a very supportive family as well. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, I mean, my wife and my kids and uh, my extended family, my parents, my, you know, all of that like having people who when you talk to them about being a musician and talk to them about wanting to go on tour and do all these things, they don't go, eh, maybe you should get a real job. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like they actually support and, 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 and make time and room for that. Cause I mean, uh, you know, I go on tour, obviously my wife has to figure out, things to, you know, I try to help, but to figure out what's going on with the kids. Like she has to work stuff like that. You know what I mean? So having that support base is enormous to have that. So, uh, otherwise, you know, I would just have to give up. Honestly, I would just have to go, well, it's not going to work, you know? 
Well, no one wants that, especially especially me. No. If if you're going to continue to write on my arm, so I can have them tattooed in. That, right, that's in, right. That's in, that's important to me personally, selfishly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and that's fine. That's good. <laughs> Well, I want to thank everyone who's listening to the podcast and supporting it. It is very much appreciated. Please continue to do so. Please tell your friends and give us a rate on Apple Podcasts. That really does help out a lot. I want to thank uh, Nathan once again for talking to me, this time in a more professional capacity because he always talks yeah. to me uh, when I see him. It is very much appreciated, and I will see you next week, I think. Awesome, awesome man. I'll see you then. Awesome.